Hi, everyone, and a very warm welcome to this episode of the Learning Journeys podcast from Lacuna Learning. We hope you are all keeping well. And in our fourth episode, we are delighted to be joined today by Alex Standen. Alex is a former international cross-country skier and is currently the national coach to the Scottish Performance Programme and pathway coach to the GB Performance Cross-Country Programme. I met Alex a number of years ago, uh, initially when he was on the Sports Scotland Coaching Futures Programme. Uh, he was transitioning from uh, his career as an international skier to becoming a performance coach. Um, and I had the pleasure of mentoring him for three years where uh, uh, we learned a lot from each other, I would say. He's now also my almost neighbour and he lives the other end of my street, uh, which is which is quite nice. Um, so I do see him from time to time these days. Um, I had the absolute pleasure to work with him uh, on a number of international camps and competitions in France and Switzerland and to learn a bit more about uh, the world of cross-country skiing um, and, as he puts it, the lovely, slightly mad people in it. He also patiently taught me to roller ski a few years ago. Uh, it was, if I'm honest, one of the first chances I had as a practitioner to do in-situ work, working in competitions or working in training with a coach. So um, I think Alex probably taught me a lot more than I ever taught him. So uh, absolutely delighted that he's made the time to join us today. So thanks very much for joining us, Alex. Uh, yes, morning, Doug. And uh, yeah, pleasure to be on the podcast, which obviously I've already listened to the first few uh, episodes and looking forward to listening to more. So by way of warming us up today and, and our now regular feature on the podcast, I've got a question for you that I'm asking everyone. So Alex, and um, this is going to be a good one, I think, from you. If you could go on an adventure anywhere in the world, where would you go? Who would you go with? And what would you do? Yes, I've listened to all the other ones, and uh, ironically, um, my partner and I were booked to go to Nepal uh, the, in this uh, autumn, uh, which obviously is looking fairly unlikely. Um, so I would certainly say that's in the top three adventures. Um, but also, I would, um, if I was going with Christine, probably love to um, do some, do a, a big hut hut tour in the in the Dolomites. I think it's yeah one of those spectacular places in the world, the Dolomites. They're just so different from every, any other mountain range I've been in, and they yeah take your breath away. So definitely love to do that, and also do a a big ski touring trip on the west coast of Norway with uh, probably everyone I grew up uh, skiing with. So the likes of uh, Muzzy and Callum and Youngie, Simon, yeah, all those um, people that we had yeah basically grew up together. And uh, I can just picture some of the hilarity that would go on uh, if you put us all back, back together on some skis and, uh, yeah, not a care in the world. So, yeah, I definitely want to do that one day. Okay, very good. That's it. Uh, I knew it was going to be a good answer and you did not disappoint with that one. Um, but having been on camps and seen you lot together, I, I would pay money to watch that trip, I think, actually. <laughs> yeah. TV series all of its own. Yeah, um, I, I don't know what the title of that would be, but yeah, it would be a good one. So listen, we know you're a skier, we know you're a coach, we don't know how you got there. So it would be great just for the purpose of the listeners to, to get, learn a little bit more about you. Where did it all start from for you? How did you get into sport and how did you get into skiing and where did that journey lead you? Uh, yeah, I mean, when I was young, uh, like most people, I played pretty much every sport I could find the time to do. Um, so I played, um, yeah, from the age of five, I guess, football, uh, tennis, uh, hockey, rugby, um, cricket, um, and yeah, anything I could do. Probably when I got in more into teenagers, I was probably more focused on um, probably cricket and um, skiing. So I started skiing, just went down to, there's a, one of the only cross-country uh, ski centers in the UK. I think it's still the only one. 
I just went to an open day and with my parents and at the age of 10 seemed to enjoy it. Uh, my parents are pretty outdoor family, so that appealed to, to their sense of out, outdoor adventure when it was snowing. Um, so yeah, I got uh, dragged along there and, and really enjoyed it um, and uh, played all the other sports I could to relatively high level. Um, but yeah, skiing was, yeah, that probably appealed to that sense of doing something different <laughs> in me and uh, and also getting to go abroad. I hadn't really done that much abroad with family. So yeah, getting to explore amazing new places seemed like a pretty fun thing to do regardless. So that's how I kind of got into, got into the sport uh, and pursued um, skiing after I left school um, for a number of years and until before the 2014 Olympics. Um, when I yeah didn't make the selection criteria and realized I I wasn't really good enough at that that level, but I but I tried um to to get to Olympics, but it hadn't worked out. So um, then it was time time to do something different. Wow, that was um quite a synopsis of quite a few years, and I'm sure there's a lots of bits in there we 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 could pull upon. So talk to us a bit about so for people who who don't know the world of cross country skiing, you I think it'd be fair to say grew up in like sort of skiing royalty really in lots of ways that little group do you want to just talk to people a little bit about the kind of the people that you grew up skiing with and, and what they're now doing as skiers yeah yeah so I'm, I'm from a very small town called Huntley in Aberdeenshire um it's a population of three or four thousand people not a big place <laughs> that's for sure and uh yeah I am the same age as um Andrew Musgrave uh who's been uh uh has won well Cup races, uh, been to uh, three Olympic Games, been fourth at the World Championships and various other accolades. Um, and uh, alongside Tim Andrew Young, uh, who's been on the podium, World Cup, been to three Olympic Games, went to the first one when he was 18 years old, multiple podiums, a World Cup consistently. Yeah, one of the best sprinters in the world and now uh, also being top 10 last year was top 10 in distance world cup as well so um pretty impressive but also uh there was some some others around as well like Carl smith who's been to two olympics um and uh yeah people like andrew uh, posey musgrave um who's obviously andrew's sister but uh, also pretty much the best women sprinter we've ever had um in the UK. Um and to put it into context before uh two thousand ten Olympics when um Andrew Andrew and uh, uh Fiona Hughes um went to Olympics we hadn't had anybody go to Olympics uh since Little Hammer in ninety four. So there was a sixteen year uh gap between between those um those athletes and so essentially that when when we were growing up there was no there was no system. Um, there was no real sport in the UK. Um, so basically every step that we took as juniors, uh, or, and then into seniors was basically a, a jump into the unknown. Um, and I think certainly, uh, Muzzy and, um, head coach Roy Young, who, uh, been a pretty big influence in my life and on all of us certainly opened, opened doors that we couldn't have imagined, um, were openable. Uh, when we were growing up in a small town, just having fun on some skis, and yeah, then suddenly they're essentially Olympic Games, uh, and especially in Andrew's case, at the age of no, I turned eighteen at Olympic Games, which for an endurance sport where your your peak, uh, thirty years old is yeah, um, pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm really interested in that. But you know, one of my observations when I had the privilege to come out with the 
British Nordic program, there's this real sense of community, this like almost sense of family that you guys have. And it's not uncommon to have like 14 year olds just new into training and stuff like that, training next to guys who've been to two Olympic games. That's really common in your sport. And that just doesn't happen in many other places. It's, it's quite, quite special. I suppose what's really interesting about getting to know you is that generally what we hear about are people who go on to the Olympic Games and go on to achieve all the success. And almost the people that were part of that community that helped them to get as good as they got, we don't really hear a lot about them. So it's really nice to meet you and go, well, yeah, he didn't go on to the Olympic Games, but actually he took a different route, but he was really instrumental in those guys achieving what, what they've done. So you mentioned that going into 2014, didn't make the Olympic selection criteria. Presumably something then happened that made you decide to do something different and you then went into coaching. Could you tell us a bit about that process and what that was like for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, uh, I'd was i always done some form of uh, teaching or coaching. Um, so from um, the age of uh, probably 16, then I was um, certainly doing uh, probably what we in outdoor sports would call instructing. So I would uh, work at the ski center from the age of 16, essentially helping with uh, school groups, which certainly teaches you a lot um, because when you're 16, 17 and got uh, a group of 30 primary six and seven kids, yeah, they they don't care (laughs) how good you are skiing. They care whether it's uh, fun or whether you can hold their attention. Um, So I certainly got chucked in the deep end sometimes there, but it certainly helped uh, probably later, later on. Um, and then I just, I carried on doing that. I carried on, uh, coaching with clubs. Um, and I was doing some work in the pathway before that 2014 date. So I was already thinking about it and, and doing some, but I certainly after that decided that that was probably what I was passionate about and wanted to try and help the next generation have the same opportunities that I had and, and try and develop them and have the, yeah, the experiences we had. Um, to develop as, as skiers and, and people uh, and so then I was uh, after 2014 I was doing um, sort of part-time coaching as a part of a pathway uh, role uh, and then also doing instructing um, working with some other sports like Alpine on some of their um, instructor courses for the physical prep type stuff that they have to do as part of the courses so I was doing kind of a range of things. And then obviously the opportunity of Coaching Futures came along. Uh, unfortunately, I, I managed to get onto onto that program, which, um, as you say, was a three-year three year program um, that essentially allowed us to get as many as um, hands-on coaching experiences uh, as possible um, and also a whole support and a network around us as well, which I think, yeah, I, I don't think I could, looking back, I don't think I could have asked for a, really a better opportunity to, to progress as a coach. Yeah, and I suppose that, that is kind of where our, our relationship began and it was a yeah, real real privilege actually to watch you guys growing, moving on as, as people as well as, as coaches uh, and just seeing the evolution of you guys as practitioners in your own right it was it was just really really wonderful now one of the things i suppose that has always struck me with with your journey is obviously you grew up with this really closely knit group of people who uh, are still competing at incredibly high levels you then went off and i would say you very much did your apprenticeship and lynn would be applauding you for going off and teaching kids and getting some scars and learning what that's about and you know uh, it's certainly what he talked about as well when he was on just that's really valuable time and really learning learning your craft. So I suppose you'd gone off and you were beginning to learn your craft and then you found yourself 
at the coalface, at World Cup races, at camps, and so on. No longer Alex the skier, one of the guys, one of you know, one of the group. You're now the coach. What was that like, and and how did you how did you cope with that transition? Uh, yeah, it, it was quite difficult um, for me, um, especially. Yeah, there's, there's no there's no hiding place when you've known them since you were ten years old, and um, so I think that was certainly it was more difficult for me because I understood that I I needed to do a really good job for them, not just because I needed to do a good job, but because I cared about how how they did. Uh, probably a lot more than if I just come in as a coach from from the outside. But I think I saw I something got the balance wrong between being a coach and also being their their friends so sometimes i would be too much of a coach and sometimes i'd be too much of a friend um so i, I and i tried to try and target certain areas where i thought i could have an influence and that they would um take on board what i was saying so uh, i wouldn't pretend that i knew better than them in certain areas partly because at that stage I'd, i probably didn't so there was no point in trying to pretend that i did so it's certainly some of the the video feedback and technical elements, I thought I could um, at least present them with um, areas that I thought they could be better at. Um, so I tried to tried to use that, um, and also in that competition environment, understanding how they liked to prepare and the things that they would like to be in in place, and making sure that any systems made their life as smooth as possible. Having understood that as a an athlete and how big an impact that can be. So I think in 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 that area they probably didn't always uh, necessarily see what we were doing, but hopefully it, it had an impact. But yeah, I, I would say there's times I would have said I did a good job of being a coach in that environment, and sometimes I would have said yeah I, I didn't have as big an impact as I would have liked. It's a really interesting one, and I I'd say it's almost ubiquitous around the world that you know very often coaches have been previous athletes in the sport and then they come into that environment um so i don't think your story is is unique in that sense but i'm wondering what what you did and if there are any critical moments during that i guess that transitional piece from athlete into starting to coach into becoming i guess a fully fledged professional things that you did that helped you on that journey and moments when perhaps you felt like uh, yeah do you know what these there has been a shift here in terms of the way i behave in terms of the way i conduct myself as a coach and in terms of the way that they now see you? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we they weren't the only athletes there, and that probably helped. So there was some uh, other athletes who didn't know me as well as an athlete, and so they were they certainly were able to see some of the, the things I was doing with them and some of their influence perhaps I was able to, to have on them. Um, so they then would begin to ask me more questions and I would see that as an opportunity to try and um, get them to see me more as a as a coach. So uh, yeah, I think it probably worked uh, quite well with Callum. Um, he was quite uh, he began to be yeah fairly open to to having or listening to my thoughts. So yeah, that's certainly that 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 ability to start to ask questions as open as possible, and then that as being a segue to then just drill into maybe some of the things that they uh, were looking for, whether that be in what they were thinking about training, competitions, uh, technical things. Um, so, that yeah, it just allowed a door to open. But critical moments, um, 
well, <laughs> one of the ones by accident actually was uh, uh, we have a Tour de Ski, which is a, basically a skier version of Tour de France in a shorter space of time. But um, I got a phone call from Roy on, I think it was Boxing Day, um, the first year I'd started coaching with Coaching Futures, I think. Um, and it, it was a phone call to say, um, what are you doing tomorrow? Uh, and uh, one of the waxers had uh, fallen ill. And so Roy phoned me up and said, <laughs> do you want to be on a plane tomorrow to come into to the ski? Um, and uh, yeah, I certainly lot, learned a lot in that compressed time where you go from one competition venue to another. Um, and also, I think probably in some ways proved uh, a little bit of worth to to uh, certainly to Muzzy who was there uh, to the end in terms of a, a job I could do to support him. Um, so that certainly, that certainly helped. And, and some of the competitions, like the one we went to in Goms, where essentially Roy was there, but I was allowed to have more of a, a leading role. Uh, and so then they those uh, athletes there, would, senior athletes, were um, coming to me to ask certain things and, and uh, work out how we could support them over the competition series. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if there was that many transitional moments, but there was certainly just a gradual kind of more and more acceptance and uh, acceptance from me that I could actually have a, an impact and and sometimes I didn't get that right that's for sure and sometimes I should have stepped in more but uh, yeah I tried to find that happy balance between them <laughs> knowing everything about me versus uh, yeah trying to be a coach. It's interesting listening to you there. I'm getting this sense of somebody who sort of gradually earned credibility over time. You began to ask good questions and kind of earn respect in maybe a different sense and that's god that's a really hard journey Alex and I really admire you for the way you just sort of quietly plugged along and kept going and kept persisting and yeah imagine that being called on Boxing Day most people are sitting around getting over their Christmas Day hangover and you're like right I better pack my bag and get my skis ready and get get out on a flight to uh, it's in Norway, isn't it? Normally, uh, well, no, the, that was actually. I think I flew to Munich. Uh, it's in it's in Central Europe. So yeah, but yeah, that's yeah, that's the opportunity to present themselves. And um, uh, your point around the yeah, gradually doing it. I mean, I also felt that I needed more experience to be respected by them as well. I, I didn't think I'd earned the right to be telling them what to do at all. So I'd, if I think if I'd gone in with that attitude, it would have ended terribly uh, and that would compromise uh you know life lifelong relationships and i certainly didn't want that yeah i'm just wondering alex if you know if you now reflect back on those years that really difficult transition between athlete and and you know you're now national coach you can be honest or not honest about this I'll, i'll let you decide how you want to play this but are there any things you might have done differently or things you might have changed in terms of the way you went about that transition or things that other people might might learn from your journey I mean, one of the decisions I took was that I was essentially never going to do any competitions or and also try and in some ways not do uh, really any training with them that much, like, apart from in competition environment uh, and with the younger age group. So uh, this is, I would say, only for the, the World Cup guys. Obviously, they ski quite fast, so that's hard anyway. But the yeah, I, I really wanted to separate me, the the athlete from the 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 coach and in some ways i think that was really good but it probably wasn't that healthy for me personally uh, i think you've uh, had uh, on last week with them um, uh, joe about the identity uh, and so i probably struggled with that element more than perhaps i could have if i'd 
either looked at other sports or or channeled my I guess competitive element in a different direction. So I think from coaching point of view, that wasn't uh, was probably a good decision. But for me personally, it was not that easy. Yeah, I've just been writing down a whole bunch of things there, Alex. Um, it sounded like although that separation between you being performer athlete and, and coach was good it wasn't that good for you personally so professionally it was good personally it wasn't so good and it sounded like you basically needed another another outlet I guess for your competitive instincts they don't disappear do they overnight when the day before you were trying to go to the Olympics and the next day you're you're um, carrying 62 sets of skis to a school or something you know I'm really interested in your current role now as as national coach and you've got young coaches who now uh, report to you or work for you in, in some way. How do you go about, because I got this really lovely sense with you that you developed your own, you as a coach, your own way of doing things, your own style, your own sense. And I sense you that Roy really gave you that freedom to do that. How do you go about kind of instilling that in your the coaches that now work for you? How do you support them in terms of uh, their journeys? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, and it depends on the individual completely, I think. Uh, but certainly, I, I've tried not to be too rigid about the ways the way that we say you have to do. If we have a coach, uh, we get a coach to lead a certain element of the pathway or the uh, certain session, certain camp, then then they do have they we give them the responsibility to to figure out how they want to do that. So we've got a couple of examples. So who's um, working as a uh, pathway coach within Scotland. Um, and although we have lots of discussions, um, she's led in certain areas and done it in ways that I probably wouldn't have done it. But um, if it's good for the sport and I don't see how, um, if I don't see that there's a, uh, a way that that's going to have a negative impact, then they've got to figure out how and figure it out. Um, and also, for instance, Sarah also led a schools uh, project that I'd done previously. Um, and I gave her basically the structure that we did it. And then there you go. Um, and, um, she learned massively from it, partly because as we talked about, about those school groups, the kids don't care how much experience you do or don't have or what, uh, strategies you're going to use. They care, uh, whether you can give them a good time and make it fun, whether they can learn something. So yeah, yeah. For example, she figured out that the, the boxes that we carry the equipment in to take to the schools, they act as a uh, like a perfect stabilizer, uh, and they love uh, playing with them. Um, like could have relay races when they're not really that confident on the roller skis yet. That they just push the boxes around and they they love it. But I I wouldn't have I never came up with that. Um, so yeah, uh, allowing that freedom is yeah, I think. Uh, quite important and just making sure you check in with them so yeah we had a coach run a, a pathway entry session you know I phoned him up and seeing how I already knew from Sarah how she thought the session going but uh, getting their perspective and yeah uh, understanding how they thought the the athletes uh, were and how they're progressing and what they were thinking they needed to to work on um, so it's yeah understanding that they'll have different journeys and trying to signpost them to things that they uh, they may be interested in in trying to investigate themselves, but uh, yeah, I haven't as yet say you must do it must do it this way unless it's a, a procedure thing that we have to do to protect anyone. 
Thanks, Alex. Uh, there's a lot in there. Uh, people listening at home, I encourage you just to rewind that back two minutes and listen to everything you just said again, probably, because it was pretty rich. I suppose one of the things I noticed about your journey was that you were given that space and that freedom to become uh, who you wanted to be and who you needed to be. And it sounds that you've now recognised that that's what you got and that was really valuable and that perhaps you should give people the same opportunity. So giving people the space to figure stuff out for themselves um, and I'll just, yeah, just that was really great. A couple of things I've picked up, everyone, uh, that you might want to just note down. Just the first thing, I guess, is really the value of doing an apprenticeship, really earning your stripes. So even though Alex retired later on, he'd actually, he'd been teaching quite a young age and he'd learned about managing groups of kids and yeah, really earned his stripes and, and done and done the hard yards. I think that's just really, you can't really get away from that. I love that. that there's no hiding place when you've known them since you were 10 years old. So when you're going to coach athletes who you've been mates with since you were 10, there's nowhere to hide. They're going to see everything you do. Um, so that's a pretty tough crowd as well. And I got this really, really great sense from you, Alex, of just earning your credibility over time and just being patient and asking questions and seeing where you could add value rather than jumping in and saying, I'm the coach now, let me show you how it's going to be. It's just taking that time and being, being patient with it. Um, that was really great. And there's that last thing here around, um, we've just talked about that giving people the chance to figure out stuff for themselves. Uh, I th- thought that was just really great and a, lot, a really great lesson for lots of head coaches out there. It's a big step from being coach to being a head coach, looking after other people and trying not to create mini me's out there. And then the last thing you said is that was brilliant, which is that kids don't care how much you know, they care how good an experience you can give them. And uh, that's certainly been my experience. They don't really care how good you are or how much you know. They <laughs> just, they, they want to push boxes around the track, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, uh, quite a good example is that is actually um uh, one of the kids uh who's getting into skiing that uh Sarah was uh helping a session with then he just a light bulb moment where he figured out that Sarah was Andrew Young's sister and and he was like oh you're you're Andrew's sister and she was like yeah and then he was like oh and then just carried on as though <laughs> though Although if, because if we, if us as older people or teenagers with a bit more knowledge of the sport would understand that's basically one of the best gears Britain has ever produced. And therefore, if they've been a sister, we should probably respect, potentially disrespect what they care. But this 12, 13 year old, well, no, I'll carry on and do what we're carrying on with doing this skiing that we're doing. No, I don't (laughs) care whether you might know the whole world about skiing or not. I want to know about what we're doing right now. Yeah, good. Awesome. Listen, Alex, people will want to know more about you now, I think. Now they've heard a bit about your journey and your reflections and thoughts as a coach. But where can we keep a track of you? Where can we find out what you're up to and, and uh, hear your thoughts and reflections and so on? Uh, yeah, I have a, a Twitter, AlexStandon23, I think, and the same on Instagram. Uh, or if people uh, want to um, email me, it's a very simple email address of alex at uh, snowsportscotland.org which is fairly easy to remember. Very good, yeah. It's, it's funny, it's modern world, and actually quite a lot of our guests have given out email addresses because people still like a good email, don't they? Yeah. Alex, thank you so much. We've known each other for quite a few years now. We've, we've uh, certainly had a few giggles over the years, and uh, <laughs> working with you has enabled me to go to some amazing places and, and, and really think about my practice as well. So, so, so thank you so much for those opportunities, but also thanks for agreeing to come and talk to us today. I'll share in the uh, the description, guys, where you can follow Alex uh, on Twitter and Insta. Do pick up on some of the things that he said. Have a listen back if there's things that he said you want to just reflect on and, and make sense of. Um, keep an eye out for future podcasts uh, and obviously hit subscribe to make sure that you don't miss out. And at the moment, everyone, please stay safe.